Welcome to Everything Hurts, a podcast covering everywhere the biological sciences meets the life sciences. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with my co-host, James Heathers. And today we are talking about failure. It's a bit uh, a bit grim, isn't it, James? Nah, it's pretty normal. Yeah? Why do you say that? Everyone fails, don't they? For instance, right now I'm failing to display appropriate energy levels. <laughs> yeah. You're still sick. No, I'm not still sick. I'm just in a... Uh, do you periodically have about every six weeks or so um, within biological psychology, I guess, as a kind of a broad field, just completely lose faith with everything and everyone and want to burn all the research to the ground, kill all the people and start <laughs> it from scratch? Oh, yeah, it happens for sure. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm yeah, that... Yeah. Yeah, I get, you know, you will wake up and I get an inbox full of people who are, people need help, something's gone wrong, I got a, you know, there's 12 new papers to read, nine of them are terrible, everything I've ever done is a lie, and um, <laughs> yeah, everything's just a massive waste of time, nothing moves fast enough. Yeah, that's for sure. So, when you said let's do a podcast on failure, I thought, well, I feel sufficiently bleak for that. Um, <laughs> why don't we do that? It sounds amazing. Yeah, so... By amazing, of, I mean awful. Well, one of the reasons that we um, we talked about this was the, uh, the the recent news of this Princeton psych professor, Johannes Haushofer, I hope I pronounced that right, publishing his uh, so-called CV of failures, which was actually inspired by another postdoc at Caltech, uh, Melanie Stefan. And uh, this uh, CV of failures lists paper rejections, jobs that were turned down, uh, grants that didn't get up, uh, just just a litany of, uh, of circumstances where this guy actually failed. And I got a lot of press over Twitter and, and social media. Um, even even the news outlets actually picked up on this. Mm. And um, yeah, it got a lot of got a lot of people talking. What did you think of it? Be honest. Look, at first I thought that's a great idea and then I read up more about him and, uh, you know, he's pretty successful. He's a tenured professor and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to actually show that these uh, successful people have had a lot of times where things didn't actually go their way. Um, I do remember having a, um, I was having a meeting with one of my mentors and we're talking about paper submissions and he's like, cool, let's just submit away. He, uh, he logs on to the, um, uh, to the, uh, the manuscript submission portal of prestigious journal X, um, and I saw like that uh, over time he's had uh, about uh, almost fifty papers accepted. I'm like, man, like this guy's just insanely good. But then I actually looked down and saw that um, he's had fifty papers accepted, but he's also had about um, about seventy that have been rejected, and uh, that actually made me feel good. The fact that uh, seeing this successful guy. Uh, he, he doesn't, um, you know, I mean, and he's quite open about all, all the grants that gets um, that gets shot down from him and all the papers that get rejected. But it's nice to actually see, um, you know, I've, I've had a few rejections recently, but it's nice to actually see even the, um, you know, the so-called big guns in the in the research field get to get a lot of rejections. But um, but at the same time, looking at this guy and uh, and seeing his level of success, you, you almost feel that um, he can only be so public about it. And he's even admitted this himself, that uh, you can only be so public about it when you're actually in a position of uh, privilege. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But that's... I don't understand how people... I, the 
I was very fond of it um, when it came out when I read it. Um, I think I liked it twice as much because the last line says, "Meta failures. This this CV of failure has received infinitely more attention than the my entire corpus of my academic <laughs> work put together." Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, I'm I'm a, a sucker for a, a cute sign off, but um, <laughs> look. People immediately went from. Oh, look, let me let me backtrack a second. I feel like this is something that people really should have known. You can only be so successful when you are applying for things that are competitive, that have had the bejesus squeezed out of their structural funding for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. If you want money from the National Science Foundation, you're unlikely to get it. On the basis that it's impossible to assess things past a certain level of accuracy. Mm. How how good is this grant in neuroimaging compared to this completely different grant on uh, dopamine synapses? Whatever. Yeah. How are you supposed to make determinations like that? You, you can't make fine-grained determinations by that. So pu- purely by virtue of the fact that it's impossible to make something much better than every other thing, it goes for fellowship applications and it goes for PhD applications and it goes for grants and it goes for papers that go to the right or the wrong person. I think people should have assumed that this stuff was there the entire time. Certainly, the I was expecting it to be longer. To be quite honest, the, I'm the CV. Sure. Yeah. I saw so, it. wasn't enough failure for you? No, I think he's probably um he's probably forgotten about it. Certainly, the paper rejections from academic journals. Um, yeah, I I think it it could have been substantially longer. It yeah. really it. it depends i know some people the amount of shopping around some work has to go through um what's what's your worst how many how many rounds i don't play that game you know what i do but something gets if something gets bounced um i let someone else deal with it in which case i don't know or the vast look an awful lot of stuff when it's this is the thing if you're writing technical stuff and it's going to a journal that's not necessarily a technical journal i find the reviews are generally very favorable it's just a wrinkle of stuff that i happen to write so a lot of the time people go well this is i mean think of the experience we had with this last paper which one the one for the translational psychiatry yeah 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 we've got some great reviews and then every they all went the same thing okay here's some reasonably good level details and the reviews are really straightforward and I think we think people need to know this because there's a huge hole in the field that we're trying to fill where people know what the formal technical background is of the stuff we do so my experiences with rejection the problem I have is getting papers the whole way through to publication without wanting to saw my own fingers off <laughs> that's not you know because also the thing I don't there's uh you you have to if you've got large clinical programs and they come out of grants and you're working on stuff that's already been funded, you need to justify this stuff. The vast majority of stuff I've worked on has been stuff because I thought it was a good idea. Yeah. And a lot of it needs to go to technical journals, etc., etc. So there's, you know, it doesn't need a, it doesn't need a lot of boosting. It doesn't. I'm not going to send it to science. 
I'm not going to send it to PNAS. I mean, these I'll, are I'll, journals that I don't read and dislike for the most I'll, part. I love those people that are like, I'm going to boycott. Uh, I'm going to boycott nature. I'm going to boycott science as well, if, if I ever had a if chance. You've, <laughs> if you've got a massive lab that's doing extremely important biological work, and you bring eighty of your best friends, I think they'd pay a lot of attention. Yeah. Um. But the alternative, obviously, for that is building building better journals. So you know. I mean, think of uh, eLife or Plus Medicine as very good quality journals where they have really alarmingly good stuff where people pay a lot of attention that are completely not of that model. Well, I actually heard with eLife, I had a colleague that was submitting a paper there and I heard that they only have one round of reviews, that only in exceptional circumstances they have the second round, which I think is great because it stops this back and forth you know, second round, third round. I thought that was a great uh, idea. You yeah, like- I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've done too many plus one reviews where a paper that's just had some kind of merit that was just a, just a sack turned up, <laughs> and over the course of four, five, six reviews, sometimes people with much more patience than me have battered these papers into things that were infinitely better than the original drafts were sent. They've essentially mentored the stuff through to being useful um i've had the good fortune that most of the experiences doing that uh have been have been very good now i don't know how much we're getting away from uh failure to do stuff here um this is also this is not something else that was on my mind that's if we can return to abject failure for a minute sure we can <laughs> um these are all formal things. I applied for something I didn't get it. There's a formal procedure for doing a thing I didn't get it, but informal failure is a lot more difficult to quantify but also a lot more important the thing you're never going to read on a cv of success or a cv of of failure is met the right person at the right time oh yeah yeah you took the words out of my mouth yeah so there's yeah look a lot of this uh the people who are surprised like i said before i think people who are surprised by this are kind of kidding themselves i mean you, you get as far as being oh this guy's a relatively junior professor yeah? Yeah. yeah, he yeah. should have he got a dozen papers bounced. He should have applied for a bunch of stuff that they didn't give him to him. But the, the thing, that that's much less important than things like, uh, I needed to meet someone really important and I didn't meet them. I didn't manage to make a contact. I couldn't get a reply to an email. Yeah, but you, ne- you never know these things, though. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, But the, this, is, this brings back the, to the, the... Sorry, you go on. One of the criticisms that was made of this that I thought was fundamentally unfair to people who who come to something like this with a certain framework and then when it doesn't immediately fit their framework, they start bitching like newborn kittens. Um, There's this, um, this kind of perspective that what the guy really should be doing is uh, admitting all the places that he got lucky, you know? Think well. Not only does he not know, not only, that's an intellectual exercise. You can't list all the times you got lucky because you don't. I you don't you know. Well, you don't know the alternatives. It's very. Nah, it's very difficult yeah. to put that into. It's not. It's not like you. You applied to meet the right people who had funding to employ you at a particular point in time. You know. 
But like, I, you I don't, still you, think you can look back at times going, yeah, that was... Okay, Every instance, time something goes right, you've gotten lucky to some degree. Everything's competed for. Yeah, but, th- there's but this... There's very, very few soft landings. So you, think you have to assume that circumstance plays a role, in a heavy role, in all of these things. Yeah, but, but this is contrasted against the idea that academia is a meritocracy, which it isn't. You know, we have this lofty idea that the harder you work... Sorry, who's we? Do, do I do I have that lofty yeah, you, idea? You don't. You're you're just a husk. <laughs> You've given up hope and everything. But most most people who aren't James Heather's actually believe. <laughs> oh, I love the fact that I'm just a husk. That's fantastic. <laughs> most oh, people. Oh man, I gotta get a I gotta get a husk shirt printed up. <laughs> that they, is fantastic. They they believe that the harder they work. I mean, a lot of people don't actually believe this, but the, the general idea is the harder you work, more work you put in, the more hours you put in, uh, more papers you're going to get, the more opportunities you're going to get. But the fact is most people's success is a matter of incredible luck. Um, I, I had an email from someone actually asking me, um, you know, just c- c- tell me, like, how did you, um, you know, get your postdoc? What's it like um, moving, to, uh, moving to Europe? This guy was from Australia. Mm. And I, I responded to him going, you know, I, 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 sure, I worked pretty spent hard. A, you spent about a year trying to form contacts and figure out how you could be useful to someone who had the money and the place that you want to go. And you did that dramatically in... Um, uh, but like well before you'd finished your PhD, your PhD had been marked, you'd made you know? Yeah, but you were very you're lucky that you I mean you're lucky in the sense, in, in one sense that you even had a plan in the first instance. You know where you want to go. Yeah, but I mean even looking back, the fact that I actually did a PhD was pretty lucky. Um I wouldn't have had a scholarship, but the person that came first pulled out. And the only reason I was actually able to do a PhD was because the first person actually pulled out. So I got the scholarship and I was able to do it. So I think it's uh, these things are important to actually remind people that um, there is a lot of luck involved. But you're right. I mean, if that didn't happen, maybe something else would have happened. You just don't know these things. Mm. Yeah, look, the um, the whole sort of academic Horatio Algo kind of story is obviously it's it's toss. Um I'm trying to think of looking for a really good failure. What about well, what about our failures? Let's personalize this a bit. Okay, well, our, our recent paper, which which should come out in translational psychiatry probably next week, that that got shot down. Our that first got attempt. bounced hard, very hard. And where you they, sent it first, and they for no really good proper discernible reason that people just had a massive whinge. Look, they they said it wasn't novel. I think it's be, it was code for you guys aren't senior enough to say these things. I could yeah, be wrong. I I got that. Um, I don't know if I ever showed you that review. Um, uh, if you're listening, certain academic cardiologist from Italy, you can't <laughs> argue against me with the argument that I'm not senior enough when I'm right. Oh, so they actually said that you were you weren't senior enough, like explicitly. Um, hang on. Hang on, I got I got it written down. I keep it here primarily because it amuses me to remind me <laughs> to remind me that facts are a marvelous defense against blowhards. That's one of the really lovely things about academia um, is that a lot of the time, if you can really demonstrate that you are perfectly correct, 
then um you you have you have the, you have the defensive precedents to fall back to <laughs> um yeah this essentially this, we read through the paper and when um i uh i i this all appears to be perfectly correct and i'm in this weird situation where i can't recommend i i it appears to be right but um the author doesn't appear to be senior enough to Oof. summarize these decisions or something that's brutal it wasn't brutal because i slapped the fucking bejesus out of the guy um uh, in, basic, in, in response basically yeah he had some other points i wrote every single one of them up in like with several hundred words and sent it back to the editor and go if you can point out a single factual thing that's wrong with any of it i'll be happy to admit that i'm too junior to have an opinion in the meantime know your role review the fucking paper i mean that's probably the wrong response <laughs> but how did the uh how did the editor respond uh he ignored all of my replies and all of the stuff the guy had said in the first instance and just sort of slid it on in a professional and dispassionate manner. So it's probably mates with mates with the mates with the guy. No, I don't think so. I think he probably chose him out of a list of people that he knew who was associated with the topic area at random. He just pretended that the whole thing didn't happen and um right. let me let me do my corrections and um they got published. Oh, that's good. It didn't get it didn't get pushed out. That's not the the end of the story. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Look, that's just one. We're getting distracted. I'm trying to think of a really good failure. I think all the the failures that I've had um, are really like n not even the fact that I've actually managed to get a thing together. The fact that there were schemes open where I'd like to write an application and do something, and people just had absolutely no interest in me or my work whatsoever. Yeah. So but that, that, that's just a mismatch of priorities rather than you uh, failed yeah well i don't know it depends on it depends on the little umbrella that you you put on it i, I always found it amazing that you could offer to do all the work and get the money and install yourself in something in a place where you were absolutely certain that it would add value to someone else's work and have them not even bother replying to you to tell you no yeah is I don't know if that qualifies as a failure, but that to me is much more irritating than getting a paper bounced or finding out that some low percentage thing that I went for that's impossible to assess on first principles I didn't didn't come up, you know? Mm. And I don't think I'm particularly good at writing applications like that. So I'm not really, you know? You wrote the thing, oh, the cover edited, the cover letter's not very good. No, the fellowship application's not very good. Ah, yeah, look, it's a, it's a skill. Some people are better at, uh, presenting themselves really well. Mm. I think those things have annoyed me uh, a lot more when I've, I've had some when, when people. I think when you've 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 had a plan to really try to benefit someone else is where you've you've proposed something where they don't have to they don't have to do anything and they're just uh, utterly disconnected from it. Especially look, not just in general. You you want to talk to people about something and they don't care. You want to explore an idea and they don't care. That's fine. No, there's only so much time that people have got their own work, they've got their own priorities, etc. But especially when you know someone go, oh, that's the thing. We should talk about that. We should do this. Or you should you should talk to my friend. This thing is a possibility. There's all this stuff that we can do, and then not follow through on that. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of weak sauce when it comes to failure. But they, that annoys me a lot more than under these. The formal auspices of this scheme, you uh, you didn't get the money, mm. and you know that's happened. I, uh, I've had three or four different 
fellowship things at some point in time that haven't got funded. Obviously, the um, Endeavor one did. Yeah. I don't know if there were rounds or anything for that, but that came back um, like way before I was expecting it. And said, yeah, you got all the money and all the time. That's fine. So you're um, like one one for three. Uh, yeah, look, some of them weren't hugely serious. I mean, sometimes you take the, the apply for things at a low percentage place. This is the, the, the problem with having schemes. I mean, if, if every grant is at, if, if you want to be certain that you're going to get something funded and you're writing good applications to a scheme that has a funding rate of 20%, you write a few. Yeah? Mm. If you know that, if you know they'll be good, if you've got control over what you're doing, if you've got good collaborators, if the idea is solid, if you have decent preliminary data, whatever the circumstances, you put yourself in the position, hopefully, where these things work well. If it's something where you're taking a number of prospective shots at getting something to work, and it's 20%, you prepare perhaps a few for different ones, depending on what you're involved with. But if it's like 8% or 12%, how many do you think you'll have to prepare? Well, the answer is obviously more. So mm. you end up sp- spending proportionally more time for things that are proportionally slimmer circumstances. Yeah. Um, and, and all that's... it takes is one person on the community to go, nah, this isn't a good idea. And then yeah, sunk. yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they worked with someone 15 years ago who didn't know what they were talking about when they do it. It can, it can be that petty. I've heard some really, I can't betray any confidences that I've heard some really weird stories about, you know, oh, I came up for tenure and there's this one guy. Uh, we just had different personalities and he didn't like me. So the tenure application was refused, even though the application that we put together was demonstrably better than all the other ones, et cetera, et cetera. This shit happens all the time. Yeah. Let's uh, take a break there and we'll be, uh, we'll come back and we'll uh, be talking more about failure. I'm going to like get drunk or something and cheer up. (laughs) See you soon. (laughs) See you soon. Back to Everything Hurts, episode 10, a podcast about two happy drifters down on their luck. <laughs> um, I'm the unnecessarily morose Dr. James Heathers. Um, I'm having what I call a slow brain day, and I am the car. I think of you as the primary host for some reason because this technically was your idea so how am i what am i supposed to do with the 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 what's the language do i use do i just say co-host you co-host that's that's the language that i use yeah oh i guess i suppose suppose so anyway the the clear-headed focused member of our duumvirate dr daniel (laughs) quintana is here as well he will now tell you about all the places that our filthy drivel exists on the (laughs) internet um thanks everyone for all your tweets and your facebook shares we also had a lot more suggestions for episodes we've had one from yeah we uh, had a few of them harold with two a's hey um, yeah. harold the viking good on harold you harold the viking so he's um yeah thanks thanks for your support uh, harold and uh, he's also given us a great suggestion for a for a future episode which we'll hopefully get to in the um the next few episodes is but, that a whole is that a whole episode on placebos it, yes it is oh you saw I that didn't you 
so much to say. Yeah, that came up in some alert somewhere. I I have so many blacklists on my email that I'm surprised anything makes it through at some point in time. But I did find that somewhere, and I thought that was an excellent idea because there's a lot to say. Yeah. So we're going to get to that in a few episodes. So thanks, Harold. But um, yeah, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, uh, tell your friends. Tell your friends on Facebook. You can share. You can find our Facebook page, Everything Hurts Podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and uh, share our episodes through Twitter at uh, at Hertz Podcast. Um, and you can email us at everythinghurtspodcast at gmail.com with ideas. But, uh, you know, most people have been contacting us through uh, for ideas through Twitter and Facebook. So feel free, feel free to, to do that. Feel free. Feel free. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, last week we were talking about what happens when your field fails. Uh, the first half of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was a, that was a good topic. That was a great topic. I feel like we should have done more background research and found more depressing stories. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that came out well. I thought it was a good episode. Yeah, uh, I had a colleague who actually does um, uh, does the technique that we were t- that we were talking about. And oh, did they think we were fair and even handed? Yeah, they were like, "We didn't oh, say good. you didn't say anything wrong." So I thought that was that was a good start. Oh, and, that gives uh, me confidence to cover technical issues that are not necessarily within my own area of yeah. study yeah so that was that was some good feedback um so last week we were talking about what happens when your field fails uh the first half of the episode um we were talking about pub- publicizing your failures through the uh the cv of failures and uh for the rest of the episode we're going to be talking about what happens when your collaborations fail the people that you work with it could be um it could be your supervisors it could be other people that you work with in your lab or it could be other collaborators at uh at different labs and uh I th- one thing that i've been thinking about is um you know generally speaking i've i've, I've had a good experience with my collaborators but some have been better than the others, uh, better than others. So I've been thinking, how do you actually pick the bad ones? Can you actually pick the bad ones to begin with, um, and how do you how do you avoid it in the first place? Mm, that's a very good question. That's a typical Dan topic. Incidentally, if you're ever wondering where the topic content comes from, um, things that we suggest ourselves and things that are suggested to us have two kind of genres. Um, Dan's is generally sort of meaty, pertinent question about process, and mine's generally something within the purview of everything is terrible. (laughs) So that is a classic, good, solid Dan question, which means you get to answer it. I'm going to draw a pig. (laughs) You're going to have to share a photo of the pig. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's something I've been thinking about quite a fair bit and i think the um the the first test is do i actually like them um if are they good to work with regardless of what their research idea is are they going to be good to work with um and um you know some people that i've met um even off the bat i'm like yeah i I like this person um i feel that i can actually work with them there's going to be some flexibility they're going to understand that there are some times that i can't get back to you uh, within 24 hours and other times that I can. Um, but still, you, you, sometimes you just never know until you actually start working with people. Um, obviously, people come with different uh, traditions 
when it comes to how to work and um, people people get disappointed when you don't actually fit the way that they work um, but uh, you know I've come from a place where most of my collaborations have actually been quite good and they've um, and they work quite well so you know I, I was of the thought finishing off my PhD and starting off my postdoc that um, whenever someone came with an opportunity I would just basically say yes and then figure it figure it out later but now I feel that um, I can't do that anymore and I have to be a bit more judicious with who I'm actually going to choose. Um, not not because, you know, I'm sort of all high and mighty, but more, I just don't have the time. Yes, you are. <laughs> don't have the, I just don't have the time um, to, to say yes to everyone and to do a good job. You know, you don't want to be putting your name to, uh, to bad research. And um, if you don't actually have the time to commit something... There's no way, at least to my own standards, that I know that the research is going to be run well. Yeah, and that's less important when you start off and all you're thinking about is, I will commit my name to the back of a chip wrapper if you'll stick it in a journal that isn't embarrassing, and that changes real, real fast. Yeah. Um, I know when I see senior authors who will append their name to every piece of academic fecal dandruff that is shotgunned into the published research i people who have this omnibus sort of collection (laughs) of stuff they put their name to i cannot help but judge them harshly for not really reading or engaging with their own work i don't know that you're busy and you've got a different job but you're saying you wrote something that's bad just for its own generative purposes and i think at least to some degree that makes you a ruiner and I wouldn't necessarily have you thrown in the sea. I'd just have you evaluate your priorities if I had the choice. So you're saying that the I think I know who you're talking about. So these people who are publishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you come up with one name as opposed to the, I don't know, how many times have you seen that happen though? Come on. But So you're kind of saying that uh, this person or these people can't possibly be contributing anything uh, useful to all these papers therefore it's just a just a no it's like it's just the, it's the it's the academic convention of the fact that because they're involved in some uh, some senior capacity that their name should be appended because it's happened it's basically the work is they're not doing the work the work is happening near them <laughs> okay um, all right so you know you put you put your name on it and um i know your i know your ability to have insight into the issues that your research and, and the, the, your ability to have insight into the issues and the research you're producing have mismatched yeah um so yeah look um that's a that you you raise a really good point there and you're like you get involved with uh everything i i never had that i can see you're you're a very uh you're a very straightforward and helpful gentleman in in many respects and that is to your credit. What you probably didn't do to cure yourself of that soon enough is put yourself in the public domain and want to talk to people on a, like a personal level. Dan, the person who does X, Y, Z, email me at any hour. I'll, I'll talk to you because I've done that for a very long time. And people send you a torrent of ludicrousness and want you to, you know... I had people offer to buy IP I didn't have and send me their crazy drug-addled middle-of-the-night <laughs> ideas. And I had people, you know, there's an awful lot of hippies. If you're out there and you work in 
positive psychology or some version of meditation or you you have a some something so if it's got some name like the samadhi academy rest assured <laughs> i have no respect for what you do whatsoever um i think you should be digging a trench somewhere so we can lay more fiber optic cable and send around research that does actually make sense but have you actually gotten any gold like just some like lunatic idea that you're like hang on a minute no you've never no okay. why have you uh, it'd be awesome I'm not discounting the idea I'm just saying it's pretty unlikely no oh there you go yeah yeah. what, what do you what do you want from them I mean the world at large is not going to be that convenient for you you've got to go and get your own damn gold yeah buy a pickaxe man go looking that's that's all you get yeah so you look just... um, do you on. want me to, to to try to address you I mean I've I've had a, a few situations where there's been a, a mismatch of stuff. The problem, uh, the, uh, I do realize that I say stuff too much. I'm going to be more specific than that. Um, I've had a mismatch of expectations with the quality of how work should be done how data should be collected, how it should be represented honestly, how analyses should be conducted. Um, I have had some significant trouble with that. But don't, don't you uh, set that out from the, the get-go? Well, I the thought, problem I is... you would have done that. The, the, you mean that I would be a complete petty tyrant about the quality of work that I was involved with? <laughs> His eyes are crinkling as he smiles. He resists the temptation to nod and says... Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, the problem is, of course, is that you can be consulted at any point in time on any individual project. You can work with databases of stuff that already exist. You can People can get in contact with you after preliminary data has been collected and then ask what it is. It can be, you know, we're just about to start. We'd like advice on mm. X, Y, Z. Um, the problem for me for that is just, it's just boredom. It's the fact I don't want to do, I don't want to solve uh, process problems when people could have solved them themselves from the beginning. I want to be involved with starting an idea. I want to be involved with the, the genesis of where things come from. And yeah. when people have people who people always contact you when they think you're going to solve a technical problem when something's in process. They don't get right to the start and go, "I know what I'll do. Uh, I'll try and find someone who can help me with this and I'll ask them." They go, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to do the first half of it. And when I've got a smoking crater of stuff, <laughs> I'm going to try and find someone to put the fire out. Well, statisticians have been dealing with this for, for, for decades. I know, often. and I admire their skill and patience because I'm a very ordinary statistician. Not terrible, but certainly not good either. Um, and that whole idea of, you know, yeah, okay, now you've got the, the thing. Sure. Okay, here's your analysis. Leave me alone. Um, mm. I think, that, yeah, I've, I know a few people who have been consultants, statisticians, and you very quickly divorce yourself from caring about the outcomes of this stuff. <laughs> Just do the job. Um, yeah, look, um, I think if there's a, a major problem that gets between uh, a, an ongoing collaboration, a lot of the time it's a mismatch of expectations, and that's seen through uh, the prism of the personalities of people that are involved. That's mm. the, like the, the summary of it. There's a mismatch of expectation. Like you're going to do this stuff. It's going to happen over this period of time. You can't do this. And then if the expectations have to change, people don't handle communicating it properly. Yeah. We don't have time to do this. We don't know how to do this. We don't have access to this stuff. We don't have the money. We thought we'd have... Um, we don't know where that student's going. We can't get it organized like that. 
Well, that's um, why I'm... And I'm... you have to maintain a certain distance without being uh, too sort of invasive or too like too disclosive. You, you can't... Disclose? Is that even a word? Um, you spend you can spend the entire time trying to keep people at the right distance and be professional, communicative, and just be super annoying. And you have to add to that the fact that a lot of people who are in uh, science specifically or in academia more broadly are mental pricks. So when you're trying to do a, 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 there's a messy human interface at work and you're expecting someone who is very intelligent but has the personality of uh someone who would have sunk wells by themselves in a field in the middle in the middle of the night if it was the middle ages because no one could stand them um sometimes that's the woman who's doing the drosophila models and you have to work with her or that's mm. that's the senior guy that owns all the equipment or that neither of those are specific examples um, the, the biologists out there i'm not actually picking on you i have no one specifically in mind um but when things go completely to pieces i feel like it's that people very rarely go Ah, screw it, I will abdicate all of my responsibilities, I don't want to do this anymore, and just throw their hands up in the air. It's just things become diverged over time when people don't have the right level of contact, and that mm. goes through the prism of some people being extremely unpleasant and or incompetent. I, I think uh, one of the big lessons I've learned from, from working with industry a fair bit is not only are the, um, are the expectations and outcomes clear, through these very strict protocols but mm. what a lot of people do is they have these go no go milestones so you get to a certain milestone and it's basically saying you know what if this isn't working out we can walk away if this isn't working out based on x uh, outcomes xyz then we can yeah. walk away um, yeah. and they've got some horrible fruity management term like key deliverable or something yeah. it sounds ridiculous until you realize that it's exactly the right way to behave even if it does have some nauseating ridiculous name and it's uh I, i've never thought of doing that because I, I have you know quite a lot of collaborations are actually built around a grant application it's very clear mm. this is what we're going to do this is what my role is going to be um yeah. one you write, thing you write this section and the result is um the thing you collectively agree on it before it starts in many ways grants are good like that for managing expectations they're really good and even to the point where you're saying i'm actually going to devote 10 percent of my time towards this so you know if, if people are getting demandy then you can go hey the original agreement was 10 percent but i think the go no goes actually solve additional problems um for um you know non kind of grant grant sort of collaborations and you can go well you know we're, we're reevaluated and at the moment this isn't actually working because of xyz and you're so right some people just continue with these things drag them on when clearly they should just be taken out of the back and uh shot are you adopting my normal patterns of speech dan shooting collaborators in an alley <laughs> that's not like you at all you, you 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 generally say they should be given a hug and a box of chocolates i'm not talking about the collaborators go their own I'm, way like I'm, a sea I'm, turtle i'm talking about the ideas Talking about the ideas. Oh, that's a real shame. I thought you were starting to slip morally there for a second. No. And my my black heart. Was I like rejoicing. I like all I like uh, I like all the people I work with at the moment. So, which is nice. You do, don't you? Yeah. I, I can I can successfully rat you out for anyone in Oslo who's listening. And believe me, I tell you, uh, if he had, and I wouldn't let him edit this out afterwards. Um, he hasn't badmouthed anyone. And normally you, you have one person. I mean, anyone, not you specifically. Normally, in any situation, <laughs> there's one person minimum. And you, yeah, yeah, 
No, it's been yeah, it's been it's been great so far here. Ah, I wish I wish you were lying. It'd be so much. I could, I could mess <laughs> with you real bad right now if you were lying. This is the problem. You and your sunny disposition and your skills. You're making the rest of us look ordinary. <sighs> Terrible collaborators, huh? Yeah. Look, you've you've met people who've got like who are too difficult to to handle up close. Yeah. Um. It's interesting. There's a, the the role of the awful person in science. If they're relatively junior and they have to drive a project themselves, and they're flaky or difficult or in other ways untoward, it just doesn't get done, and it doesn't really change much about what happens to you. But if you're working, that person is senior. Everyone suffers. Yeah. yeah but uh, I've I've been encouraged because I've actually over time. Um, met more and more senior people who are actually good people, and um, it's well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I've sort of heard of a lot of people and, and and seen not not personally, but through sort of secondhand through other students um, who've had yeah pretty pretty bad supervisors or pretty bad collaborators. Um, tell us tell us a good story about a bad supervisor that you can I mean because a supervisor is a collaboration you can walk away from depending on your situation and oh, etc. A lot of people uh, it's a- Well you look that really I'm thinking this is a that was an Australian centric remark. Uh if you've got the the money and the money's awarded to you because you have a normal right. scholarship it is not. I know a lot of people who've gone. You know what? This laboratory is a terrible fit. All you people are toxic. Uh, I hope you get third degree burns. I'm going elsewhere. Goodbye. And that's relatively normal. Yeah. So, tell us a good. Tell us a good broken supervisor story. Look, this is more just around um, bigger. No, don't. No, this is. The, the... Oh, come on, I want to. Don't you? You know, I love a good story. Come uh, on. I don't Campfire have any, time. I don't have a specific story, but I'm just more talking about um, supervisors who play favorites with their lab, uh, or, or, or with their students. And that is a big thing when you've got a large lab. I have I have seen that in a few contexts. It feels weird. Yeah, so you're having, you know, one student who's busting her ass, doing all the work, coming in on the weekends, doing all their stuff, and another mm. student who doesn't, um, you know, still working hard, but um, but comparatively has the uh, the red carpet rolled out for them. And um, it's demoralizing for the entire lab because everyone can see that. Everyone can see that there's favorites going on here. Comes a self-fulfilling prophecy very quickly. Exactly. Uh, we've only got a certain amount of money to send people overseas. I think it should be Terry. Hey, Terry, how would you like to go to the conference to present our work? Yeah. Yes, your cheeky little first author. Oh, me? <laughs> present everyone's work? What an honor. And then that, that becomes the Good recommendations. Good on you, Terry, you and... quizzling. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, and it can yeah, especially for the for these larger labs, it's it's more likely to happen where you have these uh, you have these uh, these favourites. You ever seen any sexism rolled into that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and it That's sucks. Bullshit. It sucks. Like it's just it sucks. It's just yeah. Sometimes I yeah, I have those days and I think all men over the age of sixty-five should be turned into fertilizer. As I'm sick of, I'm I don't even like seeing this from across the room. And you think you end up in situations and there's 
points where there's just there's nothing you can do about it you can it's 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 one of those things it would you would have to involve yourself unnecessarily it would be weird to try to deal with it so you just sit there and and hope that the big heart attack that they do comes early but at the same time there is not a, cool. there, there is a lot of um you know i've seen time and time again people that um are just great uh great people and you can sort of see that um i honestly think that's more common in a lot of circumstances um i i think i think personally it's been the majority for me personally i think as i'm getting older as well i I start to understand more and more the older that i get the pressures that people who are senior who are lab heads who are trying to keep programs of work afloat and still actually do science is a, the, the number of directions in which they're being pulled and how hard it is to pull that shit off yeah but um, it's good because you don't you don't have to be a dick to do it well i've seen that now with with a few examples i think it's probably easier not to be <laughs> <laughs> so who was it? it was walt whitman or some other ridiculous old hippie i think maybe mark twain he said the, the nice part about telling the truth is you never have to remember what you said <laughs> Yeah, man, that's the the good thing. But no one ever thinks you're no. One, people take you at your word if you you've, you've got a terrible memory for stuff like that. And I'm like absent from a lot of day to day things a lot of the time. So you know, what did he say about her? Well, I told you what I thought. I do. I don't have the wherewithal to try and make something up unless it's going to be something ridiculous about aliens. Or, yeah, <laughs> I got I got nothing. My my Machiavelli game is weak. Which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Um. But you know, partially from lack of interest. I I, I think you I think you're right overall. As a it's, it's not to are, say that it's not happening though. Um. Particularly, no, well, of course not. Particularly in you, other fields, it seems that um. It's it. I just just from seeing what people are talking about, it seems to be a lot worse. Uh, in other fields than, than... Okay, I'll tell you, let me propose you something. Yeah. Let me propose you something right now. Everyone who's listening who is uh, not just in science but more broadly employed in an academic capacity within a university, I want to hear your horror stories. That's I want to hear idea. about the collaboration that went wrong, uh, the collaborator you're still working with now who's basically a personality disorder in corduroy... Yeah, the grant that got shot down for absolutely no reason, the person down the corridor who's a nightmare. Yeah, look, we're obviously not doing a great job through our storied early 30s <laughs> careers with our, you know, because I, I know, yeah, oh, I'm an old soul. Shut up, you're a young academic. Um, Yeah, everyone's everyone's got a good story like that. You tell us, your, let's, let's have some perspective here. Great idea. Let's then, have some horror stories. You will not be identified. Why well, go so far as to boil the genders out of the story if you send me the story? And then we can have a, a, a good, solid, proper look through something that went horribly wrong. Because I know these people are there. I know what's going on. I know the, I, the, the thing that people have been... Things that people have been really open about you know, of like, like it's usually work process stuff. Like yeah. this was promised to me, and we would do the thing, and I worked on this, and then the ground changed under me, and then this changed, and then that changed, and I ended up with nothing after doing eight months of work on that shitty project. It's I had that exact conversation like last that. night with, with yeah, a, with that a project, or it's sexual harassment. 
if they're the two they're the two genre stories i'm sure there's a lot more but they're the yeah. two things that I've, I've seen from stuff that i can read in like quitlet and which is uh literature that people who leave academia are generally furious um and a lot of the time they write about it so it's considered to be a kind of a sub-genre of science slash technical slash something writing um look it up it's pretty interesting some of it's full-on if you remain mm. in pre-quit uh yeah <laughs> Get in contact Go with on. us. You can uh, you can email us at um, everything hurts uh, podcast at gmail com, or you can send us a message privately over Facebook. Or if you want to share the story publicly, go for it. Post on our yeah. Uh, you know you know where you. you know where to find us. I, we're we're going to do a whole episode on other people's horror stories. Try and put this stuff in a perspective. How bad can it be? Don't tell them. We got plenty of nice ones. We're good for nice ones. Mm. Why don't you tell us about the experience of uh, two people who aren't, in an academic sense, uh, seven years old, white, <laughs> loud, male. you know, very male in my case, like sometimes too much from a sort of a as as you stroke looming your, as noise you perspective. Your long hair. Hey, my long hair is glorious. <laughs> I went to the hairdresser the other day. You can't tell because all she did was um, chop the back off so my neck could breathe, whatever that's called in hairdressing terms. Back neck breather chopping. Um, and I said, I want a glorious mane. And she laughed and then went, okay. Um, which is obviously the wrong terminology, but she knew what I meant. She knew what you meant. Yeah. And I got this uh, I got this white bit at the front because I'm getting old. You see that? Yeah, I'm, get, yeah, I'm getting a few of the, uh, the I old I look like hairs. a skunk. <laughs> I don't, can't say I mind very much, but um, it is at least somewhat skunk-like. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna grow it basically until I I look like a. I, I wanted to. You remember how you imagine a mafia don would look with a, like a huge mop of gray hair and eyebrows that look like two caterpillars that got lost on holiday, and f- sort of you know. That's what you're going for. Well, from uh, when I had no hair whatsoever, which is probably how you... I remember more, that. ...more familiar with me. Everyone remembers that, because that was 14 years of my life, having absolutely no hair whatsoever. And now I have all the hair. Uh, if I'm going to if I'm gonna have a haircut, it might as well be horrifying. <laughs> Let's um, wrap it up for today, then. But uh, right. if, you, if you do have any horror stories, um, please uh, let us know so we can uh, do a second episode on this. But, uh, no, 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 not second episode on this. I want to do a whole, a whole episode about a whole episode about people's horror stories. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's what I mean. We'll do that. Yeah, academic horror stories. Um, can you organize this some spooky music for the? I can, the, I can do that. I can put that fantastic. together. Fantastic. Well, I don't know how to say it in uh, Latin, but the die is cast in English. That's what we're doing. Bye for now. <laughs>